Hello, Texans, and welcome to the podcast. What a game for the Houston Texans this weekend at Tennessee. And this is another example of you never know what's going to happen when you get there, when you see a game on the schedule back in the summer, back in October, November, even three weeks ago. Who could have predicted this? The Texans are as banged up as I have ever seen them. When you consider the magnitude of position players that can't be participating in this game, And then you look at the stakes coming off the loss to the Jets. You look at the Titans coming off a huge win over the Miami Dolphins on the road, a win that very few people thought they could get. Then you look at the whole Euler angle. You knew that they would be wearing the Euler uniforms, but here we are. And the Texans have all these issues going on, have to circle the wagons to get this one against a team that is trolling Houston big time. They might think they're honoring the Oilers, but it is a massive troll job by that organization with all the love you blue stuff they are going to honor billy white shoes johnson at the half and put him in their ring of honor or whatever and my take on this was he played almost half his career in atlanta they had atlanta in their building they had the falcons in their building this year that would have been a marvelous time to honor billy white shoes johnson but They're going to do it against the Houston Texans. So we'll see how this goes. That part of it, I don't think the players understand any of that. I mean, they could intellectually. Will it motivate them? Probably not. But the fans are going to be bathing in the narrative as the players play it out on the field. But more importantly, have to bounce back and stay above 500 in this playoff chase. And hopefully you get key players back next week when you take on the hot Cleveland Browns on Christmas Eve at NRG Stadium. That game is way tougher. You know it's going to be tough anyway, but way tougher than you thought it was going to be when Deshaun Watson went out because you thought, all right, P.J. Walker, is it DT, what is it, DHC, DTR, that's it. DTR, who's it going to be? And now it's going to be Joe Flacco, who is on fire for the Cleveland Browns. Man, there's so much going on. So when you have a big game and you have a lot of psychological, physical questions, who better to bring in than the GOAT, Andre Johnson? And Johnny Harris and I caught up with him in studio. Dre, great to see you. Welcome. Good to see you guys. All right, so let's just go present day, shall we, with the team in a little bit of a pickle right now. Uh, injury situation, really big game, got to win it late in the season. Uh, how do you think the bodies are feeling, the magnitude of the situation, maybe having to go without the quarterback, all of that added up as you take on Tennessee on the road? Well, I think everybody's beat up right now. I mean, it's a long season. Um you know, playing 17 games now, so it's a very long season. Uh, I just think the biggest thing is that the whoever's playing, they just have to rally around each other. Um, mm-hmm. You know, um, all it takes is a, a couple plays to win a game. So, um, you know, you out there rally around each other and just play good football and, you know, just kind of see what happens. Andre, you're around a lot of quarterbacks here. I think probably played the longest stretch maybe with Matt, but you played with a number of quarterbacks while you are in this building. Right. What do you see in the quarterback now, C.J. Stroud? What have you seen in the young guy? I mean, he I mean, he has the potential to um, have a great career. Um, he, uh, he's, You could tell he's definitely a guy that learns from his mistakes. Um, but, you know, as a rookie, you still have a, little gro- a few growing pains here and there. Uh, you know, he got beat up a little bit last week. Yeah. Um, so, 
you know, he, I, I don't really think he got beat up much uh, this year. You know, most rookies, when they come in, they take a lot of hits and they get beat up pretty pretty good. But um, he's main, he's maintained uh, most of the seasons and has done a great job. So um, I only expect him to get better. Well, we talk about that year one to year two improvement, and if there's improvement, that's really great. But what is that like, that transition from rookie year, you get into the offseason – you can work on whatever you need to work on. Don't have to worry about pre-draft, post-draft, all that rookie camp. Now you're a right. vet. What can he do this offseason as he gets ready for year two? What's it going to be like, the whole process? You think? Well, I think the thing is that you, uh, as a rookie, you're, you're kind of just learning. You know, you, mm -hmm. uh, you get to experience a lot of different things, a lot of different situations um, during games. But – with him being able to go out and perform the way he has as a rookie, um, that's what makes the future look so bright for him because he's been in a situation. He, you come back that second year, you've been in those situations. You mm -hmm. understand what's going on. Um, there could be teams that you played against, you know, like your division teams and things you see, things you may experience, and you know what to expect. So – um, those are the things you you harp on, you try to learn from, um, and you just try to, you know, go over the mistakes that you did make so that you won't be making them again. But he's done a great job of that. Andre, you're in the building for about three or four years, <clears throat> and then a young rookie comes from Alabama, D'Amico Ryans. You've seen him blossom into a rookie head coach. What are your thoughts about what D'Amico has done with the organization and then as head coach of this team? He's done a great job. Um, I don't know if um, a lot of people remember when the, I think it was my first time on here after he got the job. And I think Mark asked me, like, what did I expect? And I was like, don't be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of people, I think this year surprised a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I don't think they thought it would be in a situation we're in right now. Yeah. Um, but he, for him, he's done a great job. And him, if you know him as a person, uh, you know that the players are going to want to play for him. Yep. And I think with him being here, too, with us hiring him, we've created a destination for free agents. So uh, he has a great uh, just overall name and reputation around the league. Yep. And, you know, guys want to, you know, come play for him. Andre, the Titans will be wearing the Oilers uniforms. And when we revealed this to D'Amico Ryans during his show, and he was sitting in the chair you're sitting in right now, he had a little bit of, bit of a reaction. You know, he was he was getting fired up. Right. Those are his words <laughs> about that <laughs> prospect, even though he wasn't here when the Oilers played, and you right. weren't here when the Oilers played. Right. You got here just a few years later. But does that speak to you at all, that they'll be doing that and – that they have the logo all over their social media and they're calling it the Texans versus the Oilers and stuff like that. Does that say anything to you? And do you think that can possibly be conveyed to the current players to help the cause a bit? Um, I think it's something that is personal. Um, mm -hmm. I think that um, if you look at when we had the H-Town Blue and the University of Houston wore, you know, yep. the the blue uh, mm -hmm. uniforms. Yep. I mean, they took it very personal. Um, but, I mean, 
nothing about Tennessee says Oilers. Right. I mean, for me, growing up as a kid, even I remember when I first got in the league and, you know, people would ask me, like, most of the time people thought I played basketball and I was like, no, nah, I play football. <laughs> and um, they'll be like, what team you play for? And I'd be like, Houston. And they'd be like, the Oilers? And I'm like, no, nah, it's the Texans now. So mm. um, everything, I mean, like I said, I think it's personal and I think it's something that um, D'Amico could use as motivation to motivate the guys and just kind of give them the history of what the Oilers was about, what it stood for. And, I mean, the stadium's right next door. So <laughs> I think it's definitely something we could use as motivation. Andre, on social media a couple days ago, there was a TV, there was a snippet, I think it was from the 08 game, may have been 09, and it showed you guys against the Titans, and it showed Kyle Vandenbosch like yelling at everybody on the Texas sideline. Everybody on the Texas sideline wanted to fight Vandenbosch. Joel Dreesen being first and foremost. Joel's always told us about those stories with he and Vandenbosch. How nasty was that rivalry with you in Tennessee during that time? It was bad. It was really bad. Um, if you pull up, so the whole thing kind of started when we ran up. It was a play like the first play of the game, and we cracked. We ran like a crack block yeah, on yeah. Vanderbosch. <laughs> and it kind of like set the tone for yeah, the yeah. game. And Were you jo- cracking or just nah, somebody? No, it was, was Joel. That's oh, why him oh, and Joel okay, okay. got into it. So yeah, yeah. Joel was the long snapper, and like he, um, he would snap for field goals and punts. And the whole D line would be chasing him, like it was like the funniest thing you would like what we would watch old film. But it, it became like a personal, like a personal thing, and like yeah. um, you know the thing would happen with me and Finnegan, and you know it just it was it was just something that was different. Like we knew when they came here to play us, and we came here to play them. It was just anything was bound to yeah. happen. So. Um, I think that's something that we need to bring back. Yeah. Well, with the Finnegan thing, I was listening to some cuts, just listening to the mm-hmm. 09 game week two up there mm-hmm. when you had that sort of bench, wasn't really a brawl, but guys pushing and shoving yeah. and Mario's over there and it's yeah. just a big mess. And I'm mentioning Finnegan's name, he's in there and he comes out and it started way before the 2010 incident between you two, right? Yeah, so... Uh I don't know if you remember Bryce McCain, defensive sure. back. Um, so I used to just watch. I used to just see like stuff he would do, and you know, I used to, you know, you try to keep your composure, you know. And um, it was a punt play, and he like I think Bryce was a rookie, and he like grabbed Bryce and like threw him to the ground. So it's like something crazy, and I literally like the, wanted to run off the sideline, because you know I'm a guy. I'm a stand up for my teammates. So mm-hmm. um, I just told Larry, we got the ball back. I told Larry, I was like, man, I was just like, I'm about to go at him, and he was like, what you mean? I was like, just watch. So if you look at that play, like it was a run play, and. I literally took him from the field all the way to the water cooler, mm. like, uh, and I was trying, and it got it got to the point where like some punches and stuff were thrown, but because of 
the way everybody was crowded in the um on the sideline, you really couldn't see what was going on. Oh wow. Yeah. That is awesome. I mean, in that game where you have where there's the incident in twenty ten, you catch a touchdown early on in that game. Right. Was your success, for better way of saying it, pissing him off more? And that kind of led even more? Yeah. Um, was he kind of agitated more because you were having that success against him? Yeah, he was. <laughs> he used to get mad because we used to run these reroutes and he couldn't stop it. <laughs> yeah. So it was always, uh, I always had a choice to either take the post or I could just sit the route down. Yeah. And he was like, he used to always tell me, you ain't nothing. All you could do is run double moves. Like, he and they used to irritate him. So in that same game, he cost them the game. If you remember, we ran a reroute, and that week, um, Coach Kubiak, it was either Kubiak or Kyle. They was like, "We gonna put a, a wheel route on it." Ooh, ooh, ooh. So if you notice, that was the play Jacoby Court running up the sideline, and we ended up, and it was like a big play in the game, and. He was so focused on me, and I had talked so much. You know, we had went back and forth so much during mm-hmm. the game. And on that uh, reroute, when it was a wheel on it, I actually was sitting the route down yeah. because Kobe was – and when I sat down, he jumped all jumped over. You. And Kobe was running up the sideline. So, um, it, it was – like I said, it was it was a great time. It was a lot of great memories, you know, competing against them. Um, but I think – you know, with what they're doing this Sunday is definitely something we can use as motivation. Andre, thanks a lot for joining us. We appreciate it. No problem. All right, there's Andre Johnson. Man, I love visiting with him. You're going to hear a whole lot more of that on Texans Radio coming up. Now let's get to Mike Keith, voice of the Tennessee Titans, and he's a great one. A lot of things to say about this team. Let's get the ins and outs of what's going on with them and also a take on the Oilers jerseys because, you know, I couldn't resist asking that question. Mike, great to have you on. Congratulations on the win. Monday Night Football knocking off the Dolphins. And I know it's a short week, but it's got to be a week filled with energy for the Titans as they get ready for this home game. First of all, Mark, good to be joining you and happy holidays to you and yours. Uh, It is good. It is good. Uh, We've We've had certainly a tough run on the road for over a year. And so to go to Miami and to surprise a lot of people and win in a very strange way uh, was a lot of fun. And it kind of built on some things this team's been working on for quite some time. And now they see if they can keep it up. Um, The team did some good things in the Indianapolis game, lost that game in an unusual manner, and then they win this game in an unusual manner. And so now they're going to try to see if they can play a normal game. All right. Well, let's start with Will Levis as far as the Titans go. I know it's not all about him, but he is a focal point right now as you start the rookie quarterback. What are you seeing so far in the development? And everybody noticed that four touchdown pass game to launch his career. And I know it's been a little bit of a rocky road since then, but what a great performance against the Dolphins. What are you seeing, Mike? He's growing up. And I I think this, is probably a little sooner, Mark, than they wanted to get him in there. But when he finally became the starter on October the 29th, he had been with the organization for six months. And so he had been in that quarterback room. He had been around Ryan Tannehill. They had been able to take their time with him. 
he had a quad injury at the end of training camp, which sort of slowed his progress. But he had been working very regularly. They, they had an idea of what they had in him. They had gotten to know him. They'd certainly worked on some things with him about understanding that in the pro game, hey, you're going to make mistakes. You've got to get over it. You've got to be even-tempered. And that was something at Kentucky, he would get down on himself. You know, he would make a mistake and then he would take it very hard, which you like in a way because, you know, he's a guy who cares deeply. But at the same time, you have to be able to let it go. And I think Monday night was a great example of that. He threw a bad interception in the first quarter. He made a bad pitch in the fourth quarter. And yet he just kept playing. And his physical talent is undeniable. Now teams have tape on him, and so they're able to make adjustments to him. He's having to adjust back. But, Mark, I would say so far so good. I don't think anybody's, you know, proclaiming anything or saying it's all fixed or it's all great or, you know, whatever the case may be in, in, in a world where we like to, you know, sort of make snap proclamations about anything, you know, hot takes, whatever. Um I think the Titans are are quietly very pleased with where he is and understand there's more work to be done. And I think Will Levis is the same way, Mark. And that's the best part of this story so far. Mike Keith, voice of the Titans, joining us. Derrick Henry, what are we getting out of Derrick Henry now? He looks pretty much the same to me. Maybe you're not getting as many long runs, whatever. He's just so keyed on, Mike, yet he still manages to gain a ton of yards, averaging 4.1875 on the year. Yeah, he's doing fine. And you're right, they're keying on him. And this offensive line has issues. But here he was the other night, and the, the Titans are in a situation where he rushes 17 times for 34 yards. But you know what he did? He scored two touchdowns. He scored the game-winning touchdown. And he was as happy after that game as any of his 150, 200-yard games because he knew he contributed in the way he could help. If he's lost anything, it's not much. He can still really play. And he's in a bit of a different role. He understands that with Tajay Spears because Tajay is the best partner he's ever had since he became the lead back. He gets it. I, I, I think he understands where he is, but guess what? He's going to finish the year with 12, 1300 yards. <laughs> and I think most teams would be happy to have a 12 or 1300 yard back. Yeah, I think so. And when you drafted Spears in Nashville, we were all bummed out because we all really liked Tajay Spears. And I was also bummed out when DeAndre Hopkins signed with the Tennessee Titans because, you know, we love Hop here. And to watch him as spry as he is right now, he looks about as good as he could possibly look at this age. And it must be a little freaky for you because he's had some big games against the Titans and now he's having some big <laughs> games for you. It's funny. I mean, it is a, it's a funny world with, that we live in because he absolutely tortured us for years. I mean, he didn't just play good against us. He tortured us. And then he went to Arizona, and his first game with the Cardinals, he tortured us. So uh, I finally got a chance to sit down with him not long ago. We were talking about it. He goes, yeah, he goes, it's kind of freaky. He said it's a little different. But I think he's having a good time on this team. He likes Vrabel. And, you know, they knew each other from their time together with the Texans. And so they have a good personal relationship. The Titans manage him very well. 
which is something that they do well with veterans. They do it with Henry. They do it with Hopkins. They've done it with Jeffrey Simmons, on and on and on. You just see that. And so, yeah, he's he's playing well. He had a good game the other night, seven catches for 124 yards. And what a what a breath of fresh air for a guy like Will Levis to have a receiver that's going to the Hall of Fame that you can count on in this way. And I, I think, to me, that's the part that DeAndre Hopkins is enjoying the most is, is much like his time with Deshaun Watson, where he sort of broke him into the league in that way, being his guy, he's doing the same thing for Will Levis, which is, which is really cool to see. It's, it's interesting to watch a professional in this way, do it the way he does it every single day. And you understand why he is the special player that he is, you know, from afar being tortured by him. We, we knew he was good, but to watch him work every day in practice, it's really fascinating and, and gives a lot of insight into why he's had the career he's had. Yeah, absolutely. Always a quarterback's best friend. Mike, what about that defense? Because we see some of the names we know oh so well. You see Harold Landry, Jeffrey Simmons. I know he missed the last game. Danico Autry. There are some new guys as well, though. What are you getting out of that Titan D? They've had a pretty good year. You know, the statistics will tell you it's not been bad. And if you saw them on Monday night with how they contained Miami, that's pretty much the story of their season. They've rushed the passer pretty well. They've kept teams out of the end zone pretty well. The disappointment in this defense is we thought they had a chance at the beginning of the year to be dominant. And they have not been. They have not had the number of takeaways that we had hoped. Um, they've just not had the big plays that, that we had hoped, but they've been very solid. And had the Titans' offense been better, I think that might have given the defense a chance to be better because I, I think some teams offensively have been able to keep things more basic due to the fact that the Titans have had problems until the last two weeks scoring. And, and you know this, Mark, you've been around the league for a long, long time. When an offense, an opposing offense, doesn't have to take a lot of chances to win the game, they're not going to. So the, the end result is the opposing defense has less chances to make things happen. And I think that's been part of the issue for the Titans this year. But, you know, you know the defense did a great job the other night. They essentially did not give up a touchdown, an offensive touchdown, to the Dolphins. One was on an interception return. And the two late ones came when the Dolphins only had to drive 19 yards for the 14 points. Mm -hmm. So pretty good job by them overall. Mike, let's look at the division here for a moment. Then we'll get back to this game. What are your thoughts on what you're seeing from the Colts now? Because to me, it's pretty disturbing that they're still very much in this thing. And they've suffered through everything they've suffered through with Jonathan Taylor, losing Anthony Richardson, all of that. Yet here they are still very much in the mix heading into the final four games. They're good on defense. You know, they've, they've had good people and they've kind of continued to put that together uh, in particular with their rotation in the front four on defense. And then Zaire Franklin is having a monster year at linebacker. I mean, he's taken over for Darius Leonard and, He's now that guy for them, which is why they could let Darius Leonard go. Um, offensively, I think at this moment, 
they're probably better off with Garner Minshew. Now, we'll see what happens next year because Anthony Richardson will almost have to start all over again. Um, I, I think they wanted him to battle through that rookie year and learn and grow and all those sorts of things. And then he gets hurt, in, ironically, in the game against us. And they'll go back to him next year, but he'll still have a ton that he will have to learn having just basically played a month. And Minchu manages them better now. I think does a good job with, with all of that. He he gets who he is and he understands who he has to be in that offense. And, you know, he's got a guy that he can that he can lean on in Michael Pittman. And the rookie Downs is a really good player. He was a guy that, you know, I was sitting there thinking, oh man, if the Titans could get him, that would be a really good player. Josh Downs is really nice and and gives them a kind of a different element. And I think Steichen gets where they are too. Mark, I'm pretty impressed with the way he has coached that team. Um, you know, that's one of the things you see in the league. It, it's easy to be a good coach, but you got to coach the team you have well. And he has coached the team he has very well, which I think, unfortunately for both of us, that doesn't bode well for what he's going to do with mm. them moving forward as they get better. Mike Keith, voice of the Titans with us. Jaguars have lost back-to-back. Texans had a field goal attempt bounce off the crossbar that would have tied the game at the end of regulation with a chance to maybe win in overtime. Who knows? You're going to host them to end the regular season here. How much trouble are they in, Mike, and how good can they be? I think the worry for them right now, more than anything else, is they're having some injury issues that they haven't had the last two years. And, you know, and last year they were so healthy. They were amazingly healthy. They did not lose a starter until week 18 when they played the Titans on Saturday night to get into the playoffs. And Robinson got hurt and couldn't play in the playoffs. You know, you, you have some of this that you, you see as we go through November and get into December. The injuries chip away. The guys who've been having to play are not quite as good, and they're a little banged up having to play more snaps. And I think that's kind of where Jacksonville is right now. I think they're trying to fight through this tough period. Uh, the The question with Lawrence, too, and the ankle, and, and he's had the knee all year, and, you know, where is, where is he at this point? He played very well against us, really, really played well against us last month. Um, but we'll see, you know, down the stretch, we'll see exactly what they look like and are they able to maintain the pace with where they are health wise. They, they're probably the most talented team in the division, but you know, as, as we know, that doesn't always win it. Who's the best team in the AFC, not record wise, but who would be your pick if it's not the Titans, Mike? You know, I, I think it's probably going to end up being Baltimore the team that I think is really interesting is Cleveland though you know if mm. if they and I, and I don't know if Flacco can hold up or you know who's going to play quarterback for them but their defense is so good Mark I mean they yeah. are so good you know they're one of those teams in that one-off situation in the playoffs you do not want to play ironically they're almost like the Ravens were back, you know, 15, 20 yeah. years ago, you just, you just don't want to play them 
because, I mean, you could get a day where they can hold you to 100 yards. They're that good. So mm. I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's more wide open than it has been. I think on the other side, San Francisco's the best team. I think yeah. that's going to become clear. Dallas may be taking a step. But in our conference, I think it's more wide open. If you ask me today to give you an answer, my best answer is Baltimore. Okay, I've got one more for you here. As the Texans and Titans meet on Sunday, I was thinking about all the moments in this rivalry. I was thinking of the 08 game here. Mostly Texans wins, Mike, because it's my perspective. 13-12 victory against a 13-3 Titans team, a team that would go 13-3. That 09 game week two that was wild with the bench brawl and everything like that. I think of all of it. Cortland Finnegan. And then I zoom it into today because D'Amico Ryan's played in this rivalry. And now yeah. it really feels like it's on again. And the Oilers uniforms will be worn on Sunday. What about that vibe? Because you've been through it once already this year. Do the Nashville fans embrace that? It's kind of a weird dynamic to me, the way the whole thing is. But it is what it is. And we're going to enjoy it and see how it plays out. They just, more than anything else, they love the look. You know, because everybody loves retro in everything now. And when when they came out and they had a chance to see them, uh, people just went wild over the look. Ironically, in the two years that we played in Tennessee as the Oilers, we never wore the blue jerseys at home. We hmm. only wore them. Yeah, this is very strange. We wore them uh, in a game at Miami in September when they wore their whites. And then we wore them on Thanksgiving, 97, at Dallas because Dallas wears white at home. And they chose, the organization chose to wear the white jerseys in 97 and 98 because from a mental standpoint, they wanted the team to always think, hey, we're the road team. You know, we're, at, we're not in our home. We're having to play away. We're going to be strong, and we're not going to make any excuses, whatever. So when people walked into Nissan Stadium on October 29th and saw the jerseys, they went crazy. And, and they really do look fantastic. And so the kids are buying them like crazy. I mean, the, the team store can't, can't keep them, all of that. And I think that's been more of the overall vibe than anything else. You know, it's not about, mm. I mean, to our ownership group and to the people who I was an oiler, so I, I know, and, and it means something to me. But from the, the fan perspective, it's just, man, this is cool that we're getting to live in the retro and the retro is so cool. So we'll see. You know, it's uh, it's been, it was fun that day and we'll see exactly how the stadium looks uh, come Sunday. Will they do the oil derrick in the middle of the field like they did for the earlier game and things like that. I don't know. You know, I, I don't know. That was, that was homecoming weekend. And mm -hmm. so with all the Oilers back in town, they decked out Nissan stadium in Oilers. Mike, finally, former Oiler and Tennessee Titan, Frank Wycheck passed away last weekend. I know you worked with him in the booth. You knew him well, my condolences to you. And I know that he had a great career on and off the field for the organization. Yeah, thanks for saying that, Mark. It's It's been a rough week. Um, Frank is probably the most popular player in this part of our history mm -hmm. uh, because when the, team, when the team moved to Tennessee, he was the guy who got out in the community the most early on. 
And he was doing all of those community events at a time that he was one of the best tight ends in the NFL. And so he combined that sort of big personality with a guy who was catching 60 passes for 600 yards and going to Pro Bowls. And then after his playing career ended, he immediately went into the talk show business. And he was very good at that. His talk show was hilarious and was the topic of everybody every day. And then, you know, he was on Titans radio for 12 years as well as our, as our analyst. And so Titans fans had him for 20 seasons as a player and as a broadcaster. And that bond with him is such that we've, we've never had, even with Steve McNair and Eddie George and some of our other greats, there was nobody as close to the heart of the of the player or of the fan base as Frank Wycheck. And I, I don't know if this is an apt comparison, but it feels like how the Texans fans feel about JJ Watt. Mm. And that's that closeness, that love, you know, just more than anything else, not only loving the player, but loving the person. And loving the personality, and you will still see 89 jerseys at games. You'll still see them everywhere you go because he meant so much to people. So for the Titans family to lose him, um, it, it, I mean, it is just crushing. And this, this week has been, uh, in many ways, just awful. I mean, you hear the, the great stories about him, and they're, it's fun. But just the shock that, that he's not with us anymore, I really don't know how to describe it other than there's a hole in our hearts. Very well said, Mike. And once again, our sympathies and condolences. And we'll see what happens Sunday. I'm sure they're going to honor Frank. And we look forward to uh, that and seeing you in the booth on Sunday, my friend, as the Texans and Titans get together. Thanks so much for the time, Mike. Appreciate the visit. My pleasure, Mark. Thanks for having me. All right. There's my buddy, Mike Keith, voice of the Tennessee Titans. That's going to do it for this episode. Let's buckle up, get ready for Nashville Sunday at noon, Sports Radio 610, the Bull 100.3 FM, the Texans app, Odyssey app, your home, big brother, smart device, whatever it might be. Listen in. Let's hope for the very best here as the Texans rally to face the Titans on Sunday. Have a great evening or day or morning. Whenever you're listening to this, I listen to podcasts walking my dog, actually. Go Texans!